Steve Dace joins us now from the frozen tundra. Uh, welcome to the program, Steve. Good morning, guys. How are you? Well, better than you are. We're not in Iowa. Uh, <laughs> but neither is Cory Brook Booker. He's dropped out. Just happened. This is uh, is the headline of a tree falls in the forest. Yeah, um, exactly right. It's exactly. And he, right. he hasn't he hasn't been relevant in this race for months, and um, we could have multiple conversations why they would all be uncomfortable. So let's just say it's the same. A lot of it has to do with why Black Lives Matters is here in Iowa, protesting Pete Buttigieg as we speak. Uh, and and tell me about that. Well, you've got a confluence of events here, Glenn. And, you know, I've, I've worked in um, uh, ministerial cooperation between black and white churches here in Iowa uh, or, and, and organizing uh, people in, of different racial persuasions for common local political causes in the past. So I have a limited amount of experience with this, but it's far more experience than most whiteies have. <laughs> and yes. Reality, and, and the reality is that... Um, I don't know how else to put it, so I'll just put it very bluntly. Black America is just not down with the charge of the White and the Loafers Brigade. They're just not down with it. And, and some of it is the, is, the, is the influence of the black church. If you go look at marriage amendments across the country, I mean, if you look at the way the, the marriage amendment performed in California, winning there, um, if you look at how it overperformed Mitt Romney in states like uh, Maryland uh, in 2012 in the election there, it's always with huge, overwhelming black voter support. So that's number one. The other reason is you have a hierarchical, hierarchical rivalry here where on the intersectionality meter, sexual, uh, sexual behavior has replaced racial politics atop the, food cha- the intersectionality food chain. And so for a more leftist secular group like Black Lives Matters, that's a major issue where they're in the back of the part of the expression. They're in the back of the Democrat Party bus right now. I mean, on the same day that the Supreme Court did its first decision in favor of so-called gay marriage that same week it voted it got rid of the voting rights act of 1964 and so you've got this tug of war going on in the left between these two groups and Pete Buttigieg is right at the epicenter of this and that's and that's why you're seeing he has zero black support in states like South Carolina that's because of the black church there and in Iowa that's why you see black lives matters is coming here it's because he represents a special interest group that has replaced them in the in the left hierarchy do you see any, re- Steve, I, you know, the Cory Booker thing is fascinating to me in that, like, the media seemed to really love him. They kept saying what a great job he was doing in these debates. And now, I'm, look, I'm not in the demographic here of Democratic voters, so maybe I'm missing things, but I always found him to be very creepy uh, and strange. <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't seem like anybody ever gave him uh, a shot here. And as you point out, in these sort of intersectionality Olympics that, that are going on in the Democratic Party, they're all saying they want more diverse candidates, but they all seem to be voting for anyone but. Everybody wants diversity if it's their version of diversity. And the thing with Cory Booker is um, he, if he were a candy bar, it would be called whatchamacallit. Um, there have been rumors about his sexuality, about his personality, about all kinds of things. And I think the fact that he just didn't satisfy, check any particular box in any of those, in any of those components is why he committed the cardinal sin of politics. And that is the number one thing every politician has to do, first and foremost, is you have to build a base. It can be a small and devoted one. It can be a big one. 
But you need a base that provides you the infrastructure to grow as a candidate, both from a support mechanism uh, and then a word of mouth mechanism and then a legitimacy mechanism. And he just never did that. Um, He was sort of a cornucopia candidate uh, and he never satisfactorily for a lot of people addressed the issues of his sexuality. He says he has a girlfriend named Rosario Dawson, the actress, but you've never seen him together. He's never addressed that. He doesn't really address racial issues all that much. Um, except in the one debate with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris did it actually better. Uh, it's just, you know, what is he? What was he as a candidate? What, what, what base in this party did he represent? And the answer turned out to be none of them. Let me uh, go to your predictions uh, for the election. Uh, they're pretty bold, uh, in fact, because they're so specific. You say, prediction uh, in your top ten, number eight, Four different people will win the first four states in the Democratic presidential primary to set a free-for-all for the nomination. It's never happened before. Explain it. That, that's, yeah, that's never happened before. There's a couple times you've had people, three different people win the first three states. That happened in 2012 uh, in the, on the Republican side. But I, I, I just think you have a situation in this latest Iowa poll that came out from the register speaks to this. In that you've got no candidate has really ironed out alone a base, except for one, Pete Buttigieg, which is the white Subaru driving coexist bumper sticker having suburban cul-de-sac litter. Okay, (laughs) and 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 if you want to know how many of those there are in Iowa, that's Pete Buttigieg's base. He has no other base anywhere else uh, in the state of Iowa. That's his base. So just a bunch of white suburbanites that want you to know that I'm homophobes. So they're voting for guilt. Um, But for the other candidates that could actually win this nomination, they're splitting each other's factions. And when you have that, you're going to have a free for all. Um, You know, I think that you look at a Joe Biden, his number one argument is electability. Well, if you're going to finish third or fourth in Iowa, I I mean, what does that do to your electability argument? I do think when we get one of the problems all the other candidates have is they don't have any substantive black support in this party. And, and while black voters do not make up the percentage of voters in the Democratic side, white evangelicals do on the Republican side, it's really difficult to get to a majority of Democrat voters without black support. He's the only one that has them. So in, in, in this crazy year, if my predictions sound nuts, consider this. The oldest white, the oldest looking sounding white guy in the race who comes across incompetent most days is the only one who has really any black support. So there you go. Okay. And, wow. and, 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 and if he can just stay alive, if he can get to those to South Carolina and all those southern states that come in on Super Tuesday, he could certainly win enough of those. It wouldn't give him the nomination, but it would keep him alive to a convention. And then, then I think whoever emerges from those first four states between Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Whoever cancels the other out is going to win California. And if you've got Joe Biden winning the old Democratic Party and you have Bernie Sanders and or Elizabeth Warren winning the current Democratic Party, that is the prescription for a brokered convention. So you have Pete Buttigieg winning uh, Iowa, Bernie Sanders, New Hampshire, Elizabeth Warren, Nevada, and then uh, Biden in South Carolina. And I still think even though Buttigieg's numbers have dipped quite a bit in that Iowa poll, the reason he could possibly still win is how strong Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are. You know, we talked last week, I talked about the fact that Elizabeth Warren's dipping, then when they get into that caucus room and they start straw polling each other, those leftists huddle together and like, hey, we, we, you know, uh, we either hang together or we hang separately here. One of these guys or gals has got to go. Well, if they both go in there with a reasonable chance expectation of winning – 
to be really difficult to have that kind of a conversation. And I could see the socialists or the Soviets, because uh, they're both socialists, Freudian slip. It's, I could see the mm-hmm. Soviets and, and, the, and the more softer side of Sears' version that Elizabeth Warren represents kind of canceling each other out. And then I could see a Pete Buttigieg with 19, 20, 21, 22 percent eking out a small victory here. But that would have to be his scenario. It's interesting, Steve, because what you described with the first four states is the dream scenario of one Michael Bloomberg, who is currently running basically unopposed in the Super Tuesday states and throwing a quarter of a billion dollars at at that. If this comes together, does he make a dent? Does he win a couple of these states? He doesn't represent either Democratic Party. I think Michael Bloomberg's long term game here is he is trying. I think he's game planning that this thing goes all the way to Milwaukee. And they have to come out of here with and – and, and you have to understand, Bloomberg comes from this old political model. Forty percent of people are Republicans. Forty percent are Democrats. And elections are won by the 20 percent in the middle. And Barack Obama and social media wrecked all of that. National elections are now determined by who can frame the battlefield for the most max-based turnout. Mitt Romney is the first candidate ever to win independence in 2012 and lose an election. So, so that, that model is antiquated. But I think he's operating on that model, and he's going by, hey, they got to come out of a convention with some kind of compromise candidate, and maybe that could be me. And you say that there's going to be a move at the convention to nominate Michelle Obama as the yeah, compromise it, candidate. Yeah, she's the most logical name. But, you know, you don't leave a 70,000-square-foot palatial estate where Martha's Vineyard or whatever they just bought in order to get in order to get called, uh, you know, trashy Michelle by Trump on Twitter for three months. You're not doing that. So I think I think that'll be the, the fantasy of, you know, several on, on cable news networks uh, and within the uh, the leftist intelligentsia. And it will be entertained there quite heavily. But I don't think that she will. She's going to come off the bench uh, and, and take that kind of a beating, because right now she can say whatever she wants, do whatever she wants, make as much money as she wants and have none of the daily grind of actually being a candidate. So um, when she's not the candidate, you believe it will be? I think it will be Bernie Sanders, because if you go to a brokered convention, there's two ways you win there, guys. One way is you're everybody's second, second safe choice. There isn't one of those in this, in this race. There's, there's nobody everybody else looks at and says, all right, I guess we can handle that. And so if you're not going to win with a second safe choice, then it's triumph of the will, if you get the analogy uh, reference I'm making. And you win with a hammer and a sickle and an iron face, uh, iron fist, and you, you scare the hell out of the system with a mobocracy. You know, if you look at Wisconsin, that's where a lot of the modern leftist mobocracy that we have come to know today was born, going after Scott Walker. That base of people is still there. That is, native to, that is a native tongue uh, to Bernie Sanders as an Alinskyite. And so I think you, you scare the Democrats to death with, we're going to make Chicago 68 look like it's a small world after all, wow. okay, when it's closed, or you give us the nomination. And, and so since they don't have a logical second candidate, that would be a rallying uh, point for various, the various uh, constituencies in their confederacy, then I think it becomes a, a, you know, a mobocracy game, and I can't see anybody edging Bernie Sanders out where that's concerned. Okay, he's not finished yet. Uh, we're going to take a one-minute break and then back with the rest of how he says this is all going to play out. You can listen to Steve every day on the Blaze Radio and TV Network. Just sign up for Blaze Media. Just go to blazetv.com slash Glenn, blazetv.com slash Glenn, uh, and uh, use the promo code Glenn, and you're going to save 10% on your subscription. We have all of the real conservative voices uh, here that you are looking to listen to. Steve is just one of 
them every day following this program on the Blaze Radio Network. So here's where your predictions get a little um, interesting, uh, more specific, and frightening a bit. Uh, First, you say that Sanders is going to name a vice presidential candidate that will not be from the middle. No, he won't. And, you know, I do these predictions for our sites every year. And in 2016, I correctly predicted Hillary Clinton was going to nominate Tim Kaine because that's in her mar- that's in her nature. Find a swing state. She wants to really be a Wellesley College. For- she wants to be Elizabeth Warren. But in the end, she's really a bra-burning technocrat. She wants to win more than anything else. So go find a nice-looking senator from a swing state and put him on the ticket. You have to go with candidates' nature. If you're Bernie Sanders and you conquer the Democratic Party, you're not even a registered Democrat. And you conquer this party and you conquer them at the convention. The last thing you're going to do is, is, is you know, go get some, you know, uh, middle-of-the-road congressman from Indiana to balance the ticket. No, no, you, you've come this far. You're not showing restraint now. You're, you're going to plant the flag. And so I think he goes for intersectionality with Catherine Cortez Matos out of uh, Nevada who is essentially um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's grandmother, for lack of a better description, Mm. and a former left-wing trial lawyer, attorney general. She's from a swing state that that just swung over. That's the one state, you know, we had all these warning signs of early voting amongst Hispanics in swing states in 2016, and how that was going to doom Trump. And it never came to fruition except in one state. And that one state is in Nevada. That's the one swing state that tipped because of an early surge of of Hispanic voting. And I think you see Bernie Sanders double down from there. Uh, Now, you say the deep state doubles down because they see this is this is a free for all. Yeah, I'm not a conspiracy guy. I used to be when I was a kid. and, And then I realized human nature is often given too much credit. I'm also, though, not a huge fan of just ignoring what I'm actually seeing in front of my face, Glenn. Mm-hmm. And we have watched the last couple of years, you know, marauding rapist hoaxes for Supreme Court justices, collusion hoaxes, Ukrainian call hoaxes, hoax, hoax, hoax. Uh, the guy in Iran, uh, you know, Salami, whatever the hell his name is, <laughs> you know, venerated and revered. And, and so if you're going to go this far and, 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 the, and, the, and the generic process produces the Amer- American Jeremy Corbyn, and you know that guy's not going to win a general. I, I don't know when you've been willing to use the levers of government with your thumb on the scale from behind the scenes, and there are willing media platforms that are going to let you do it out there on the left. I, I don't know why you'd hold up now. So, so I think like those bureaucrats that came out and testified at the, the impeachment hearing, whose grounds for impeachment really was, I didn't like Trump's foreign policy. I think you're going to see them just like openly now leak secrets, openly leak sources, openly attempt to uh, you know, uh, uh, sabotage American foreign policy. And I wouldn't be shocked if you saw the Federal Reserve in the third quarter of this year attempt to put its thumb on the scale economically unless you see a slowdown. Because if, if, if you're going to go this far in trying to discredit an administration and the people it appoints, right when, right when the American people are potentially about to give it another four years, I, I don't know why you'd suddenly decide, you know what, Maybe we should let the people rule after all. I, I don't think that's human nature either. And even though you call for even more turmoil than what you just said, your number one prediction is Trump wins. Trump's going to win because the Democratic Party learned, well, there's two reasons he's going to win. Uh, the economy. We just don't get rid of presidents when the economy is going this well. That's just historic. Number two is the Democrat, the left in America spent 
And I'm guessing you got these calls, too. When they called people who were on the right, who were real conservatives and hesitant to support Trump four years ago, they called a bunch of us. I was on the McNeil Lair News Hour, for goodness sakes, the day after the election. Just one, one, one example. Wanting to know, what did we miss? What did we miss? They spent about 48 hours of self-reflection. Mm-hmm. And then they decided, like John Lithgow says in the new Pet Cemetery movie, the ground is bad. They decided the American people are bad. And so I don't think there's any self-awareness forthcoming at all. And they're just going to nominate their own Jeremy Corbyn. Agree. Agree with you. Um, All right, Steve, thank you so much. The Steve Day Show is uh, on uh, the Blaze Radio and Television Network. Just subscribe now, blazetv.com. Big announcement is uh, coming up in just a few minutes. Stand by. Born on February 10th, 1964, Glenn Edward Lee Beck became accustomed to entertaining large audiences from birth. In fact, he was the 13th most visited child in the hospital the week he was born. Glenn grew up like any young man, watching Shirley Temple movies, organizing tea parties for his collection of dolls, and getting beaten to a pulp by neighborhood boys and girls. All activities he continues to enjoy to this day. Glenn's father was a baker. Thus, Glenn's unquenchable passion for pastry. It was believed by many that this would make Glenn into the family's best baker to date. But one day, Father Beck returned to his bakery only to find that Glenn had eaten an entire year's worth of powdered sugar and was actually bathing in a vat of cream raspberry sauce. This incident led Glenn away from baking and toward his other love, broadcasting. It was also the first time that an entire industry filed a restraining order against one individual. (laughs) All right. From this point on, the ugly face of alcohol began to peer its head into Glenn's life. Mm -hmm. It began at his first job interview. Just minutes before the interview began, a full 12-pack of Budweiser was ingested by the program director who eventually hired him. His next job interview was with a program director who was receiving vodka via IV. And come on, 970 WFLA, Sue Trekus must have been drunk. (laughs) Later, Glenn got a young blonde named Tanya Colonna drunk. Now she is Tanya Beck. (laughs) And with every year, his experience continues to grow. Along with his ego and his stomach. Mm. And Sue Trekus? Well, she's still drunk. All right, it's the 20th anniversary week of the uh, broadcast. I believe this was the uh, anniversary of the day I first wanted to fire Jeffy. And I can still remember it, mm-hmm. looking at him, shaking his head like, you suck, on the other side of the glass. And you get reminded of it now every day you yes. see him. Every day I still see <laughs> still, him. Yeah. Somehow or another, I've not been able to <laughs> shake that guy. Uh, and, uh, and also, uh, Stu, who has been with me. And on this 20th anniversary week, I think it is only appropriate that we make a special announcement on Stu. Very excited to bring to BlazeTV.com, uh, as well as YouTube and uh, podcasts, anywhere you go, a brand new program uh, featuring myself, Stu. It's going to be Stu uh, hosting the show. It's going to be about America, and I'm going to be doing things on the show. Mm-hmm. And that's how we came up with the title, Stu Does America. Uh-huh. And uh, something America desperately needs right now. I mean, Mm -hmm. Debbie did Dallas. Right. Why not you do America? We're expanding a little bit. Yes. Again, you can't just focus on your little area. Right. You really need to. uh, Sure. The whole country needs this. Really excited about this. Yeah. Uh, Stu is uh, doing his own uh, daily show. He will still be on this program. Mm -hmm. Um, He'll just, I don't know, be more tired. 
uh, than uh, than usual. And I already look so perky so every day. We thought if there's somebody that needs to be on television, it's one of us. Oh. And I'm already there. So, Stu, it's your turn. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's going to be a TV show every every night. Um, as well as a podcast that you can get uh, for free on YouTube uh, or on your podcast. And yeah. I, would, I would encourage you to go to uh, you, the YouTube page uh, or go to stewdoesamerica.com. All the social links and everything are there. Uh, and sign up and subscribe so somebody's listening to this thing and not just talking to nobody. And it'll be uh, kind of in our comedy uh, roster. We have Steven Crowder. Yeah, uh, and, awesome. And, uh, and Stu will be adding Chad that. Prather as well. Uh, Chad Prather is mm-hmm. really, really funny. Yeah. And we thought, mm, you know... Hey, hire a vet, hire the handicap. Oh, hire Stu. Yeah, you're not gonna hit, you're not gonna hit home runs on every, every pitch. No, yeah. no, yeah. you're certainly not. And it's you uh, just hope to get hit by the pitch and get on base. If you love John Stewart and the Daily Show, you're not gonna like this. But <laughs> but if you like Trevor Noah, you're still not gonna like this. Uh, you'll be like, where's the humor? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but well, it's it's actually uh, it's actually a, a comedy show with, that's smart. Uh, and will help people digest the news of the day uh, oh. with uh, with humor. It's something we've tried to do here. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people have told us over the years that perhaps it's not the best idea. But we have decided uh, to try to treat the audience as if they are intelligent. Now, we don't know everyone in the audience. There could be a lot of really stupid people there. No, I'm How, sure there are. Every audience. It has to be some. You can't have 50 million, a footprint of 50 yeah. million people and not have some real dummies. Oh, there. it's got to be yeah. a ton of morons. It's not you. Uh, <laughs> not If you're listening right now, it's not you. Not you. you. It's the a, people probably oh. that were listening last hour, you. You are the smart ones. They're the dummies. There's you're special. Be yeah, you, you're special. You make you, a difference. You get a trophy. <laughs> Those people <laughs> suck. Uh, but, I mean, that is a different thing, I think, than you're getting across the media landscape right now. I mean, look, you can get some conservative content, and there's a lot of great stuff out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's been, a, 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 I think, a, a, um, a lack of this in the media as a whole that anyone who's going to admit that conservatism isn't uh, the same thing as Nazism or racism, mm-hmm. you go to the media, it's hard to find that. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find stuff that, you know, a lot of times you just kind of get either something that's uh, entertaining or something that has uh, it, some intelligence to it. Mm-hmm. We're going to try to do both of those things, but we promise Almost never the fusion of entertainment and, and enlightenment. enlightenment. However, we promise never to do both at the same time because that's yeah. overwhelming. We'll right. give you one of the <laughs> one two, the and we'll clearly define them yeah. for everybody in a Soros organization. Yes, yeah, so they can just yeah. they can protest the yeah. right organizations. Yeah, mm-hmm. honestly, this is why a lot of the humor is is. Uh, gone from the right because you well hey there's a lot of unfunny people on the right um not you no you are funny funny. you are funny you're special you're better than them um but it's almost impossible to do humor um because you they'll destroy you they'll destroy you yeah and if you happen to be an old listener of mine you, you know we've had to strip back a lot of the comedy uh, on this program because it just you, we could not survive with it they were killing us every step of the way that's why we built the blaze mm-hmm. and that's why we can do whatever the hell we want to do <laughs> on the blaze and yeah enjoy it yeah seriously this is a great reason to subscribe to it i mean if you go to blaze tv.com you can use the promo code actually you can use the promo code stew as of today uh use the promo code stew i think they're i think they're doing some special or something off of there maybe i don't know 
some extra money off, go ahead, do that. I think we um, pay you. If you subscribe right, for the we, Stu Show, we pay you. <laughs> you I think. I'm not sure. I mean, you could do it over and over again and get really yeah. rich. So do yeah, it. Do Try it. it. Do See it. if it works. Yeah. Uh, but the point is to have a place that's safe harbor for people who are conservative who actually treat their audience with some intelligence uh, and some respect. And that, like, we all know that, you know, jokes are jokes. I mean, Ricky Gervais has proved this to be true. And he's only able to do it because the guy created the freaking office, right? How do you think he's going to survive? Do you think he's honestly going to be able to survive? You know, there is a part of me that thinks he can do it because of the very unique person he is. He's incredibly well-respected in the world of comedy, which is where Chappelle is, right? He's He's English. English. He has incredible accomplishments that are like... Uh, you know, again, the Cosby Show is an incredible accomplishment that you yeah, but think the Cosby Show but he, did, he actually, he actually was, was raping, like raping people. people, so that's yeah. a lot different. Um, you know, Louis C.K. is 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 another guy who got accused of that stuff, um, but he was another one who looked untouchable at one point, and uh, or maybe too touchable uh, yeah. for his particular case. He wasn't exactly uh, untouchable <laughs> at all of the time. <laughs> that, that was his problem. He was too right. touchable. Too touchable. Uh, but Gervais is in that perfect. Uh, storm it seems like where he's really credible and just being honest he's not doing things that actually are offensive right telling people that you know uh god forbid you say something that's just blatantly true that men are men or women are women and and you talk about how maybe hollywood the people who basically are responsible for all the rapes in the me too movement (laughs) are the people who should be lecturing us right about who's right and who's wrong that should not be controversial it's only controversial in this sort of fake woke world. We were talking about uh, Jessica Yaniv the other day. Do you remember her? Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Boom and job. she wanted to get the the, the stuff waxed, right? And uh, she happens to be a he. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of people who are a little upset about that. They don't necessarily want to do the waxing. Mm-hmm. And one uh, uh, place, a waxing place, decided to protest this on religious grounds. And mm-hmm. where does the left fall on something like that? Well, you'd normally, of course, it's a transgender person against a religious organization. However, here, the religion is Sikh. It's not Christian. So what? where do they stand on this? I mean, and, it's clear if it's Christian. Yeah. It's clear if it's Islam. Yep. Not so clear if it's Sikh. Right. So what do you do? These are, these are worlds you should not have to navigate. Right. Only crazy people want to navigate things like that because they're yeah. not real. Your book, uh, your last book, Addicted to Outrage, that came out, I guess, last year, yeah. went into the postmodernism thing. And, like, at, you know, at the time, nobody was talking about that. And, you know, maybe it was a little ahead of its time. Yeah, I don't think anybody's still talking about it. It really is exactly what's happening, it though. Is. It because is. Because you sit here and you're like, well, these are things that don't make any sense. They're not, they're not real questions. They're almost like things people adopt for public positioning yeah yeah you know and and it's it's they want to make you feel uneasy they Mm -hmm. want to make you uh feel as if the truth that you've always known is no longer Mm -hmm. the truth and to set that kind of world into chaos uh is their goal we have to have things pushing back against it we have a lot of great stuff on the blaze already i hope to add on to that and uh and occasionally make you laugh uh, and, but only you, because you're the special one. You're the the special other people one. on those other cars, yeah, listening, like, like the people who have called in over the last twenty years. We just grabbed a couple of uh, some of the calls that have come in, in the last twenty years, and you could see you're special. They're not. <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> Dow still on the phone. I know you want to talk to me about my electricity bill. Uh, yeah, I just uh, I just find it amazing that, you know, you are buying your way out of your electricity bill. 
Well, you are, you I'm think not you... exactly buying my way out of it. And I think this issue is too complex for conservatives to understand. I, I think, simply stated, that conservatives are too stupid to understand this no, entire I, issue you because know. you're stupid. Do you have another word for stupid? or Metodded. What? <laughs> what is it? The word is metodded. Did you just say metarded? Well, indeed I did, Glenn, because, as I hope you know, but I'm not sure you do because you're not that bright, the word retarded is politically incorrect. Yes, I, I know so that. I contacted the folks behind the ADA mm -hmm. and had a conversation with them, and they said for $100, I, Al Gore, would have a special dispensation <laughs> to change a few letters and use the word mutarded. <laughs> and that's what I've elected to do. Did you get that? Hello, Chris. Glenn, yes. we've endured the funky eyeglasses, the rainbow colors of shirts. We even endured the pitch at the Angels game. But now the Home Shopping Network? Good God, man. Admit it once and for all. Come out of the closet. <laughs> Are you telling me, Chris, that you have never watched HSN, watching it just thinking to yourself, good Lord, who's buying this stuff? Not for five seconds. <laughs> oh, come on. You're missing out. Thanks a lot, Chris. Stu, am I alone in that? You've never watched HSN and just thought, who's buying this? Oh, I've definitely thought who's buying this, but uh, I don't know. The the obsession that you seem to have, I would say, is somewhat You're unnatural. such a jerk. I mean, you it's, a, are, it's such a are. deep, well-thought-out obsession. You are such a jerk. <laughs> yes, how are things, Wilfred? I heard you talking about the youngsters. Yes. Yes, I had a sweet 16 party when I was a child as well. Mm -hmm. We walked into the woods and, and we'd play Hunt the Jitterbug. Uh, hunt, hunt the j jitterbug. Yes, the jitterbug. Mm -hmm. um, eventually, I found out that the jitterbug was a dance, and my parents were just trying to abandon me in the forest. <laughs> but I learned from that experience. Unlike these kids today, they're all spoiled. I gathered food from local nuts and herbs, and I fashioned my own wooden lung last year from pipe cleaners and peanut brittle. Sweet sixteen was much sweeter when I was a kid growing up. Mostly because the age expectancy was only 12. <laughs> With that okay. new peanut brittle lug. All right. I'll okay. be along a while. All right. Thank you, Wilfred. <laughs> Welcome to the uh, program. Uh... Bloomberg had a big rally with Judge Judy over the weekend. It's uh, <laughs> a weird pairing. Yeah, it really is. But uh, I think there were like 25 people that showed up. Oh, which, wow. Yeah. Less than 50 people showed up. So, But it was only Judge Judy. Yeah, one of the and, most popular television personalities. <laughs> of all time. Yes. Yeah, but don't worry about it. Don't no, worry about not it. A big I'm sure deal. he's going to be fine. I think it's going to go well. Yeah. There's a lot of good stuff going on sure, right now. Sure, sure. Uh, I love this uh, from Florida. A Florida man, which is always a good always start trouble. to a news story. Uh, caught on surveillance camera assaulting an elderly guy for wearing a MAGA hat last October, learned he would spend the next several months in jail. The judge uh, sentenced the registered Democrat to 90 days in jail after finding him guilty of battery against 67-year-old Robert Youngblood. You know, what is wrong with people? You're cool when you're doing that. Um, How old is this guy? Uh, he's f uh, 43. 43? Mm -hmm. And beating, beating up a 67-year-old. Oh, that's great.
In addition to his jail sentence, he was offered he had to uh, serve one year of supervised probation and pay $155 in restitution. The full $155. Not 100 not in American dollars? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. And that that part of part of that will be used to replace the MAGA hat that was destroyed in the incident. Uh, he should have to wear a MAGA hat. Yeah, uh, that should be a good that's a good part of the punishment. Yeah, he should have to wear it at all times. When he gets out for a month. See how he likes it. He, uh, by the way, says uh, Trump supporters are communists and racists. Communists. Uh, uh, and he says, I don't even care if I'm going to jail. This is actually exciting. It's a lot right. to get about to get a lot more exciting. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. jail's fun for a lot of people. Oh, mm. Love it there.